1: This is an official download from thecustardtv.com.
2: It's the Custard TV Podcast, and I'm back. I'm Luke, and I'm occasionally here. Matt's always here because he's here now. Hiya. Hiya. And we're joined by Sophie Davis, who I haven't spoken to according to our Skype chat since the 30th of October last year.
3: Oh, wow, really? I knew it had been a while, but I didn't realise it had been that long.
2: No, I didn't realise we'd had a falling out,
3: but apparently...
2: <laughs> <laughs> apparently we have, but it's lovely to have you on. To be fair, Luke, it's probably
1: about a month since we spoke or something Yes,
2: like but we have had a falling out, and we'll address that yeah. later on, that's yeah. fine. There's a this... the TV drama
1: coming soon about
2: it. Four parts, annoyingly. I thought they no, could have got eight. It's
1: been commissioned in America, but the writers and actors are both on strike, so... Yeah,
2: so... And I won't work for scale, so that's what (laughs) the problem is. Luke
0: and Matt. This could be a podcast. A podcast. Don't you have to be some sort of whiz kid to do those? Uh, Definitely not. Anyone with a computer can make one. Talking telly. Use your ears and trust them.
1: This is the Custard TV podcast.
0: Yes, that would entertain me briefly. From
1: thecustardtv.com.
2: Breaking for the format slightly, we're here to review three shows, and then we're going to talk about the recently announced Emmy nominations. We are the Custard TV podcast found on all your podcast apps of choice. Rate, review and subscribe there if you wouldn't mind. We're also on the website thecustardtv.com where you can read Dawn's brilliant review of the Idris Elba flying drama hijack and you can also read my review of The Bear which is one of the shows we're going to be talking about uh, today as far as us on the socials you can find us at Luke Custard TV for me on Twitter at Matt's TV by for Matt at custard TV pod for the podcast and across Instagram on it's the custard TV and there's another it's here because it's Sophie Davis is also on Twitter
3: yes I I followed you on threads recently yeah God I, I, I don't understand it. the it's <laughs>
2: I don't know. I don't know how to use. Th- I honestly, genuinely don't know how to use threads. And people say it's a lot of fun and it's very interactive. But I don't know how to get started on it. Are you on it yet?
3: I've signed up to it and I've like you know followed some people that I follow on Twitter. But I'm not. It's just a bit much at the moment to look at yeah. Twitter and threads and Instagram and I other stuff. Really it's
2: just a lot to take in. It. it makes me feel old. And I'm. You know, I'm and not have bad like an
1: actual life outside as well, is what well, saying. Well, th- that's
2: important <laughs> as well, I understand, yeah. Um, Fresh air and that. What's going on um, with you as far as podcasts? Any in the offing?
3: Uh, not anything currently, but if people want to catch up with the back catalogue, there's um, Smashed Prawns in a Milky Basket, which is about the work of Julia Davis. And there's also It's an S-Pod thing. Uh, where I go through every episode of S Club 7's TV show with different comedian guests.
2: We're going to go on now to our What We've Been Watching section, which is when we talk about What We've Been Watching. I appreciate the titles there already, but you've been watching a lot of theatre shows, so just talk about them briefly, because people will be going to London over the summer, I'm sure what would you recommend?
3: Sure, yeah, I would definitely recommend Operation Mincemeat, uh, which I've seen multiple times now. It's just really funny, really amazing cast. It's got emotional bits in it too, like there's one song that makes a lot of people cry. Um, it's only opened a few months ago and it's kind of like the hot new show at the moment. Um, and I'd also recommend very different vibe, but Cabaret is a good shout. That's been open for... A few years now but that's you know still a really amazing show very sort of dark vibe so on the opposite end of the scale from operation mints but those are probably like the two best shows that i would say at the moment
2: and on tv what have you been watching
3: i watched all of silo um i think we we reviewed that when i was on the podcast uh not the last time but the time before we reviewed episode one uh mm. i carried on with that and watched all of it really enjoyed it really looking forward to the next series which i think they have started filming now so that should be good I've now started the new series of the after party the uh, the two episodes that came out this week and i'm mm. fully on board with that again i loved season 1 i love the whole comedy murder mystery thing coming up with theories looking online to see what clues people have picked up on so looking forward to that coming out weekly over the next few weeks
1: we talked about that in depth last week and Me and Dawn sort of binged the first season ahead of the second season. And on my YouTube, something came up about like all the the embedded clues that were in there. Have you seen this video with like the semaphores and the.
3: No, but every time I go on Reddit after an episode, people have picked up on all sorts of intricate stuff that I don't know how they've even spotted it.
1: Every episode, they did something which eliminated someone.
3: Yeah, I think it's the yeah. same this time, yeah. but I've no idea how you like pick up on this stuff, to be honest.
2: I've started that as well. Um, I've done a few things because I've not been on the podcast. I do think that the show has a lot of charm, and when Matt and Dawn and Mo spoke about it last week, you weren't sure if the cast was as charming? I think that was me, mainly. Yeah, it's you that's got a problem with charm normally, isn't it? Didn't warm to them all immediately, but I think it's... It's still a very strong cast. Jack Whitehall is no, no Jamie Demetrio. I wish we could have got him back some way this mm. year, uh, but yeah, it's still got a lot of heart and charm in it. I think and, and very funny. Uh, while I've not been on the podcast, I've done all of season three of The Great, which I will speak about. I did. I've done all of The Bear, which I'll speak about. I did all of Yellow Jackets,
1: which we won't speak about, but it's still well, we, we might speak about. Because it's been nominated for
2: some Emmys. Oh, we're going to speak about it. Okay, we'll speak about it. (laughs) I'm going to speak about it. Cool. I'm also watching... Have you had uh, some sugar today, Luke? I've had a lot of chocolate today. Yeah, we'll speak about it later. I've also been watching... I don't know if you've covered it, but it's basically that new drama where everyone just goes along saying hello to the main character in different ways. Have you heard about this, Matt? I can't think of the title of it. Um, Are you doing a joke?
1: Hi Jack,
2: oh, Hi Jack, that's what it is. I've been watching that as well. That's been really okay. good. He's doing a joke. I did a joke because we'll talk about it later. Uh, <laughs> no, Hi Jack is um, something I stuck on for my mum because she loves stuff set on a plane. That's really. I tense. like.
1: I like that when you said that. It's yeah. a very niche. Thing. It is a very niche what thing. What
2: does she like?
1: Well, set on a plane. not seen
2: snakes on a plane. That's like the big plane thing she hasn't seen. But Liam Neeson did one. I think it's called Nonstop. Really like that. And just anything like documentaries, sit on a plane. I think, and I can see why. It's the it's the claustrophobic uh, nature of it. And we've been on a lot of long haul flights and seen a lot of stuff. We've never been in the hijack situation thus far. But I th- I uh, put it on and got immediately sucked into it because it is. ...doing what it does incredibly well, and Idris Elba and the rest of the cast are just on top form. I would say the only downside to it is it loses a lot of attention when it's not on the plane. I do think Archie Hmm. Punjabi and Max Beasley aren't that interesting, but as soon as we're back on the plane with them, yay, get me on the plane... This is a rare thing, and I won't say this again about any other show. I think this would have worked better as a binge, as much as I enjoy Mm. watching it week to week.
1: I don't know. I think my only thing to add this week is Hijack as well. I think it does work because you are anticipating that. I think, you know, and I think if this had been on... A BBC or an ITV, obviously, a lot more people would be talking about mm, it because, mm. as we always say, like Apple is the most obscure yeah. of the streaming services that people yeah. haven't got. I think yeah. it would be a lot more of a talking point. I disagree with you slightly because I think you need those respite moments on the ground. Oh, you, do. you need sort of why yeah. 24 had the political aspect yeah. to it as well. Yeah, yeah. One thing I just wanted to ask you because someone mentioned on our Facebook group on sort of response to Dawn's review. Yeah. was that they said they didn't care about any of the characters now I, it's not a big thing for me but it's more of a thing for you so i just wanted to ask you about that see yeah it's always my big thing i didn't care mm. give me something but
2: this feels yeah. like it's in a different lane and it's not that important cuz it's got all the tension and yeah. it's 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 one of those can
1: be swept up in a story yes, but you yes. struggle with the characters
2: but I th- but i think this is a situation that you could put yourself in the in the character's shoes and know how you would. Would you be the woman who doesn't want a husband to admit that he's a doctor because it might get him into trouble? Would you be the pair of old men who Ooh, think they can I overtake that was Because
1: them? she didn't want him to help the hijackers. Well, there's also that, I think, as well, but
2: she just doesn't want to draw any attention to anything because she's scared. But yeah, I don't think it needs that. I, every time they say Sam, I don't realise that's it for but it doesn't matter. I'm just swept mm. up in the tension and the Sam way it's Sam Nelson, the yes. most generic character generic name, name ever. <laughs> yeah, But I think it's really well done. The only reason I'd say it works better as a binge is because it, it doesn't have, like, a previously on on it, and I and mm. we watch it religiously, but I sometimes forget exactly where we left off, and I'd like a... Uh, that's your age. Possibly is, yeah. Earlier, yeah, I'll just talk about two more things, if I may. 100 mm. Foot Wave, which is a documentary from HBO that's on Sky documentaries now, I am not a surfer, I do not have a surfing body, but this show about a group of surfers who stumble across the biggest waves in Nazare in Portugal is really, really uplifting, mainly because they're up high on surfboards, but because they're a really nice group of people. It is stunning, it is scary, it's life-threatening, and it's really something that I've really come to love. We watch it as a family, and it's just really great fun, so I'd recommend that on um, on Sky Documentaries and HBO if you've got it in the States. And finally, because I have no willpower and no desire to wait, I did start the fifth season of what we do in The Shadows, which will be coming to Disney Plus at some point, in the not-too-distant future, I'm sure. And I'm not sure, you know? That's all I'll say. I'm not sure. Uh, th- there's a big plot with Guillermo, which I applaud, but the side plots, I'm not sure. So mm-hmm. it would be interesting to see. And that's the first time i felt that way about what we do in the shadows i felt
1: that season three didn't i yeah but you were wrong
2: it's you can do that occasionally <laughs> but you were wrong it normally has me proper belly laughing with a proper belly and everything but it, it just didn't make me laugh as much but maybe you're just in the wrong frame of mind so be interested to see what you both think of that when it comes to disney plus later this year Right, on the show today, we are going to be talking a uh, brand new BBC true crime drama, The Sixth Commandment. Yes, well, the bear is finally here in the UK after months of waiting. We're going to talk about a big chunk of it, but not all of it, because I asked my well colleagues to watch as much as they can, up to and including episode six. Sophie went above and beyond and got to seven, and Matt, I forgot to mention... Episode 6 was by far the longest episode of The Bear so far. He started it but didn't quite get there. Uh, also going to do the Emmys, as I mentioned, and we're going to do The Great Season 3. We'll be coming to Channel 4, I presume, but we're jumping a bit a bit ahead and talking about it since it landed on Lionsgate+. Plus. The a swing million
1: ones... service that everyone has. Yes, Lionsgate that everyone has. Plus.
2: Uh, we're going to start, though, with the big terrestrial... BBC drama this week it is the sixth commandment it is on Monday and Tuesday of this week and then Monday and Tuesday the following week it's from Sarah Phelps who previously bought us uh, and then there were none uh, in 2015 and she did a Poirot update and the Dublin murders a couple of years ago as well Uh, so this explores the true story of the deaths of Peter Farquhar and Anne Moore Martin in the village of Maidsmorton in Buckinghamshire. Peter meets a charismatic student named Ben Fields. When we first meet him, he's leaving his job as an educator in one school and taking a position as a guest lecturer at Buckingham Uni. It's clear, even in the opening moments, that uh, Peter is well-liked by his former pupils and has great respect within the profession, and everybody likes him. He's got a large circle of friends who love and respect him dearly. During his first lesson at the Brand New University, he meets Ben, who is played eerily by, I'm going to say, Aina Hardwick, but if you want to uh, pick me up on that pronunciation, feel free, but I think that's how you do it. Uh, he takes a keen interest in Peter's poetry and into other aspects of his life, and he's the first person to acknowledge that Peter's gay. Uh, he's kept back from everyone close to him. He feels his sexuality is very personal, but Ben picks up on it straight away and they have a a quick connection. Uh, He agrees to let Ben lodge with him at his house with another student and in Ben's company he comes alive. He joins the church. It's the first time in Peter's life that he's had a connection uh, like this. Ben ingratiates himself with everyone in Peter's life volunteers at the local nursing home then things start to go a bit strange peter has a funny turn whilst teaching and he appears to pass out and ben places him in a nursing home to recover and plants the seeds with peter's friends that did he ever tell you he was a heavy drinker and they're all saying well no not the peter we know away from ben peter starts to feel stronger and discharges himself and gets his first novel published but then has another scare during a book signing where he appears to pass out again um when he comes to ben tells him rather alarmingly that he soiled himself that he tried to masturbate with him uh, before falling asleep and that the odd other lodger has left because he's embarrassed uh, meanwhile while all this is going on annie one of peter's neighbors catches ben's eye She's played by um, Anne Reid, and I didn't say that Peter's played by Timothy Spall. Anne is old but not frail. She is taking her dog for a walk and spots Ben. They have a little chat, and when her beloved dog Rosie dies, it is Ben's card that gives her a bit of solace, saying, my deepest sympathies with you. The episode ends with Peter's cleaner finding him unresponsive in his chair, with the insinuation being that Ben may be responsible in some way, but also the insinuation that Ben may have moved his attention onto another older person in Anne. The case was a subject of a Channel 4 documentary called Letters from the Grave, I think, or something along those lines. I saw it in 2020. Peter was a fastidious diary keeper, and that is how the whole thing uh, becomes unravelled and alerted to police. Sophie, had you heard of the case? How quickly were you involved in the story? Um,
3: Yeah, I was aware of the case. I hadn't seen the documentary like you had, so I didn't know all the details of it. It was just more one of those cases where it sort of rang a bell. I'd seen a few news stories about it at the time. I found this very upsetting. I think with a lot of true crime stuff, it can be upsetting because it can be you know really violent or really graphic but that isn't the case with this it's just upsetting because the story is so tragic and you know it's heartbreaking to watch this sort of lonely older man get taken in by this monster really you know he thinks he's found the man of his dreams he thinks he's finally found love after a lifetime of being gay and never really acting on it you know and in reality this man is gas.
0: Tis the season for Chicken Fingers at Raising Cane's. Warm up with hand-battered, cooked-to-order chicken fingers, crispy, crinkle cut fries, garlicky buttered Texas toast, and the real source of holiday magic, cane sauce. And while you're treating yourself, don't forget to treat everyone on your list to Cane's gift cards and New York City-inspired plush puppies that benefit pet organizations. Happy holidays from Raising Cane's Chicken Fingers. One love. <laughs>
3: slighting him and drugging him and and killing him really Um, yeah it's it's a really great performance from Timothy Spall you really sort of feel for Peter you you really like him from the beginning and feel sympathy for him as he's being conned by this horrible man Um, and I think it's just it's really well written by Sarah Phelps as well it really puts a focus on you know this first victim kind of similar to um, uh, Four Lives where that was very focused on the victims of Stephen Port and he was just kind of like there but it's not really about him and his psyche it's about celebrating the victims lives and the people that they were before this you know monster came into their lives really. Um, I thought it was really good but yeah very upsetting just because it's such a heartbreaking thing to happen it's heartbreaking to see Peter go on this journey where his health is declining and he isn't sure why he thinks he's just getting old. It's really well made, really well written, but it is very upsetting Mm. and you know, particularly thinking if you've got, you know, older people in your life, older relatives, you might find it even more upsetting to watch because you might be thinking about this could happen to them. You know, Peter was an intelligent man, you know, he wasn't like conned in a really obvious way. This guy was just really convincing.
2: And he gets him to write him into the will and so you can sort of see his modus operandi even though Peter is oblivious to it. As you say, expertly acted in both Timothy Spall, uh the actor who plays Ben, does a tremendous job of, of being charismatic and eerie and dangerous but you're not quite sure what his motives are. particularly the scene that got me was when he's in the nursing home because you think, why is he there? What is his reason for wanting to be around all these elderly people? And because I'd seen the documentary, I obviously knew. And I I do sort of think I would always recommend the real story first, but I think this is so well-researched, so well-performed, that if you wanted to see a dramatisation, you can't get any better than this. It's superb.
1: It's a bit different for a true crime drama because you're not getting the police investigation immediately, are you? Having skipped ahead a little bit, the police don't really become involved in it properly till the third episode. The first episode, as we've said, is about Timothy Spall's character, Peter, and then the second episode becomes about Ben's relationship with Anne, Anne Reid's character. What it is primarily, and I think what Sarah Phelps has has drawn into here, is it's a drama about loneliness and preying on people who are lonely the two characters that we meet here the timothy Spool character the amri character are very lonely despite having in terms of peter his professional achievements because he is essentially closeted he's never had you know any real deep relationships with anyone you can see even his relationship with his brother and his sister-in-law is quite fractured. They exchange pleasantries but they never have any sort of real conversations to the extent that when he tells them that he's being betrothed to Ben that he that they're shocked and angry because they never really speak about his sexuality in any way. I think the performances as you said by Spall and by the actor who plays Ben are both brilliant I thought of four lives as well, Sophie, actually, because you are spending an episode essentially with each victim and looking at them and the reasons why they let this man in. And, you know, both being intelligent people, but both being lonely. I think that's the reason for it. And I enjoyed it, but it is a very, very hard watch, I think. It speaks to a a different
2: time of life as well, which Mm. the three of us can't really
1: say we've experienced but no. you know it's been and sheila hancock as well has oh, a, yeah. as well as a small role in it and you feel that when they go into the the home for the first time where he then later ends up mm. i think that theme comes into it there and like you know they they have that very sort of prophetic conversation about there's life in us yet sort of thing so yeah it's certainly a powerful watch very
2: um
1: and again this is one that's all going to be available on the iplayer
2: It's exactly what you'd expect from this pedigree, from this level of performers. You just put it on and although it's upsetting, you feel like you're in good hands and it's telling a very important story because it's not the story of this evil man who lurks. It's the story of people at a certain time of life where life is slowing down and they're feeling lonely and, and when somebody pays them the tiniest bit of interest, or particularly because it's a younger person as well who is willing, seemingly, to give up his time and be part of their lives and take an interest in what interests them. It's understandable why they would find themselves in the situation they're in, and then it just feels awful to know what became of them. Um, Yeah, I highly recommend this. It's, as Matt said, Monday and Tuesday, Monday and Tuesday, or all on the iPlayer from Monday. The Sixth Commandment is well worth your time. Uh, now a show that I have been banging on about since, I don't know, was it on in June? in the, Was it on in May, maybe, in the States? I don't know. Anyway, it doesn't matter because it's here now on <laughs> Disney+. Plus. Corner, Chef, the bear is back, Matt. Hans. Yeah, we've all got them. <laughs>
1: <laughs> the bear, for people who haven't seen it, essentially um, centres around a, a Chicago restaurant... Kami is the main character. He came back from a successful career as a chef to take over this restaurant from his brother who committed suicide. And throughout the first season, it was about getting the team working as one, uh, bringing in um, a new sous chef, Sydney, who was this young girl. And Kami has issues with alcohol. The team that are there are very set in their ways. And it ended the first season with them resolutely saying we're gonna the the beef was the name of the restaurant we're gonna do away with the beef renovate this new restaurant it's gonna be called the bear. Carmi and Sydney have begun planning the menu and Carmi's sister Natalie agrees to take on the role of project manager they basically cost up the new venture and uh, because it's gonna cost them a lot more than they thought they ask uh, their uncle Cicero who's played by Oliver Platt to invest in the restaurant Um, he agrees to loan them half a million dollars on the condition they will pay back the money in 18 months or he will take ownership of the property uh, which itself is estimated to be around two million dollars and with this in mind the end of the first episode sees that the Sydney, Kami, Natalie decide that they need to open in three months if they've got any chance of paying this money back in the in the time allotted I've watched five episodes he's watched the entire series and so he has watched seven you basically get almost like a- an episode per character you've got sort of sydney taking on her new role um, and sort of trying to plan the menu tina enrolls in culinary school what's the name of the baker
3: Marcus? Marcus. Marcus.
1: He goes to Copenhagen uh, to sort of train. The characters are a lot more disparate this time than they, they were in the first season where they're all in this enclosed space together all the time. They do come together, but they've all got their separate storylines. I'll go Sophie first on this one. Did you watch The Bear at the time, the first season? Because we haven't really talked about this with you before.
3: Yeah, I watched it when it came out on mm. Disney+. Plus. I enjoyed season one. I didn't really adore it as much as some other people did like I remember it was
2: number it was 1 my number on... 1 please, yeah please and... get off the podcast please depart the podcast
3: <laughs> cuz i remember as well on the the guardian's big long list of the best tv shows last year the bear was at number 1 and i and i liked it but i didn't like it that mm. much um what was your I number just... 1
2: severance wasn't it last year was it
3: yeah i think so oh yeah, c- sever- you can
2: c- stay on stay on you're all right stay on <laughs>
3: i find it quite stressful to watch mm-hmm. cuz there is just so much shouting and arguing and the way it's shot it's quite a sort of naturalistic thing where people are talking over each other all the time which i know is how people talk in real life but i find it a bit stressful on screen um i think i prefer series two because they are more spread out like they've got their own stories and there's less of that tension in the kitchen where people are just yelling at each other 24 7 um you know I like Marcus's little story in Copenhagen it's a lot more chill than usual um I really enjoyed episode seven which is
0: uh, Richie's
3: story he's always been one of the more annoying characters Mm -hmm. and it's nice in a bit in episode six and mainly in episode seven that he sort of gets his own story and we get to like him a bit yeah, more, we get to yeah. learn why he is the way he is. Yeah. yeah, really enjoying season two so far.
2: It's it's basically a deep cathartic character study this time. The stress isn't, you know, getting all the sandwiches out, the stress is how they're gonna pay for this, how they're gonna get ready for the opening time. And it's about digging into the psyche of the characters Particularly Kami, who I've said in my review, always feels like an outsider, even though the whole season shows you how respected he is um, within his own industry. Because when he sends Marcus to Copenhagen, it is uh, the chef says, yeah, bring your guy along, I'll work with him, because you work with me, and it goes up the line. And the same with Richie. Seeing him out of that environment and put into the environment he is in episode seven is so refreshing and there's so much depth to a character who, you know, was just a sweary, loud mouth, slightly sexist guy uh, in the first season. I wonder whether it will shock people, the sort of change of dynamics this year when they go and watch it, because it isn't about hands, corner, chef, service. It is about these people growing and learning to appreciate their craft, how can we talk about episode six without spoiling it for Matt and the people who will eventually see it when it comes out on Disney Plus? I don't know whether it qualifies as a bottle episode, but it's one of the best episodes Time. of television. It's like a
3: flashback episode, yeah. and it's, it's double It's one of the best Well, is it all,
1: in the, it's all in the house, I'm guessing? In the family in home. Yeah, yeah,
3: it's set so on... it is a it's like, yeah. yeah, it's Christmas, like, a few years ago, when his brother is still alive, and yeah. all the extended family around, and there's a lot of quite random casting <laughs> where people walk into the room and you're like, what, that person's mm. playing their cousin? Yeah. It's very... Is it?
2: But it, but it's, it's just beautiful, and within that hour, it explains who these people are. It is just so dramatic, tense. I'm going to spoil one name, I don't know if you've seen, but Jamie Lee Curtis as his mother is just outstanding in this you sort of see where all of Kami's tension comes from you see her in her family kitchen and everything is stained in sauce and there are timers going off and she's obviously struggled with her mental health before and everyone's tiptoeing around her and you don't know you know how she's going to respond to certain things then there is Bob Odenkirk as this uncle who isn't really so, an uncle. When you
1: said, I'm not going to spoil well, any of the you actors. Don't, well, I <laughs> there go, are about like six many so <laughs> more, So <laughs> many,
2: more, people, so many more that I won't do. But Bob Odenkirk as their not uncle, but uncle, who antagonises um, Michael, played by John, John Bernthal. Bernthal. It, that sequence at the table is one of the tensest of the whole series. It's not even in a kitchen. It's just that this... This creator, Christopher Storan, knows these people so intimately by this point. He knows how to push their buttons. It is one of the best episodes of television I've ever seen because it just plonks you, like the bear does, it plonks you into this world. doesn't explain any of the dynamics and you learn as things go on. You've got Richie upstairs because this is when he was with his wife. You've got him upstairs trying to keep his pregnant wife happy and you see their dynamic and how they were quite sweet together and now that's all gone sour It's just beautiful and I loved Kami's relationship this series. He meets a girl called Claire who's known them all since childhood and that is a very sweet relationship and then you've got the relationship between Iowa, Debris, Sydney and Kami is explored a bit more. It's just really cathartic and beautiful and a really hard show to pin down because it isn't the frenetic kitchen stuff of last year. It's replaced by something... I found entirely more interesting and, and by the time you get to that finale when they open it's amazing what they do it's all like one take and there's front of house and back of house and it, it, all the tension returns it's beautiful I loved it so much it does things that it has no right to do to me but it makes me feel everything. Has it risen up in your estimation, Sophie?
3: Episode six and seven in particular, I really loved. Mm. Um, So yeah, definitely going to probably watch the rest of them later tonight. Um, Yeah, I definitely prefer this season because it just, yeah, like you said, it's less frenetic. It's less shouty and people antagonizing each other. It's more sort of about people growing and learning new things. um, Sort of a natural progression for the show, really, and I prefer it definitely. I
1: really like being back in the company of these characters.
3: While I don't miss the stresses
1: of the kitchen, I do miss the camaraderie there. You know, you've not got all of them on screen together as much this season. Uh, but I do like we're getting sort of individual stories. I think a lot of it is about that relationship between Sydney and Carmi and and her almost losing a little bit of trust in him as it goes on. I really liked her episode where she's going around all the restaurants, trying food, writing stuff down and and not getting that response from him and meeting old friends and saying, have you got trust in your partner? And then you see that evaporate slightly as it goes on from what I've seen so far. Mm-hmm. You know, obviously he's now got Claire in his life as well, which is another distraction ahead of, you know, they've got this board of things that they need to do on a daily basis that gradually things get crossed off and put on and and what have you. And life gets in the way to an extent. From what I've seen so far, I really enjoy. I think this show is so well shot, so well edited. Every shot of food makes you really, really hungry. I think it's a technical achievement as well, because a lot of, certainly this season, is quite dialogue light. A lot of it is people eating, cooking, looking at food... I also think the music choices that they make throughout are are excellent. The soundtrack that they have underpins everything beautifully. And if they still did those, you know, music based on, inspired by the TV show, I'd possibly buy that because it, you know, every, every time you hear a song, it's like, yeah, that works. It's a brilliant show and I'll, you know, I'll definitely be watching and finishing the series within the next few days
2: strange currencies by rem is a very underrated mm. song and they use it yeah. twice twice yeah. is
1: it and it's both times it's with Carmi and Blair, yeah. isn't it yeah I yeah think.
2: she's very good i've not seen her before she's an actress called molly gordon and she just feel it just feels very real their relationship
1: yeah she sort of is very good opposite him sort of stands up to him and uh, yeah i like their chemistry their dynamic he
2: needs constant support as well and and she provides that without being too needy and you know with
0: here in key west we were out before it was in in this open and inclusive paradise you can be yourself make new friends and savor our live and let live vibe with lgbtq plus friendly accommodations our legendary nightlife and year-round activities and events, it's always a good time to come as you are. Key West, close to perfect, far from normal. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. Laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com
2: All this strike business, which we hope gets resolved quickly, they haven't said whether it's going to get a third season, but now that they've opened the restaurant, I'm hoping the third season will be about whether Sydney can achieve her first Michelin star, and I hope it gets the third season. It was it's incredibly well It's it to
1: be a three, isn't it? Just, yeah. like, that be the final.
2: I just never take anything for granted lately, no. so I'll believe it when I see it on telly. But, yeah, it is so, so good. You can read my review online now at the website, because the tv.com. That'll be me, me done-prosing it until we get to the end of the year, but please watch it. And if you haven't seen the first season, you can't just go... No, I'm into this. You have to watch one and two together. The Bear, all available, weirdly, on Disney Plus in the UK. Finally, in the review section, Al Fanning, uh, Nicholas Holt, they're back for season three of The Great, which we assume is coming to Channel 4 later on in the year, but I never really know, so we thought we'd talk about it as it is available now on Lionsgate Plus, and Sophie's going to remind us what happened in the first episode of season three.
3: So if anyone hasn't seen The Great before, this is a pretty fictional telling of Catherine the Great's rise to power. Um, the show started with her arriving in Russia. I'm not going to go through the whole show, but <laughs> it started with her arriving in Russia to marry Peter, the emperor in an arranged marriage. And since then, she has been sort of plotting and trying to overthrow him in various ways. But they have a very complicated relationship which became even more complicated in season two when he had sex with her mother and she fell out of a window and died during all of that. So season two ended with Catherine finding out about this and stabbing Peter, um, but then discovering that she had actually stabbed a lookalike instead. And she kind of surprised herself by feeling actually relieved that she hadn't killed Peter Um, So this is where we start season three. Everyone in the court thinks that Catherine has killed Peter. Some people are happy when they find out that he's still alive. Some of them are not so happy, like Orlo and Velementov, who are Catherine's sort of uh, right-hand men. They took part in this coup, and they're now annoyed that she didn't follow through with killing Peter. Um, Catherine also had some of Peter's closest friends arrested the night before. Um, Along with her friend, Mariel, because she knew about the situation with Catherine's mother and didn't tell her about it. So Catherine is now in this difficult situation where she was supposed to have killed Peter, but she hasn't and she doesn't want to. She also has to decide what to do with these prisoners. The episode is called The Bullet or the Bear uh, because the prisoners have to choose between the bullet or the bear as their method of death um, sort of you know get shot or take their chances against a hungry bear and that's the situation unless Catherine decides to free them instead so that's the setup of episode one basically this uh even more complicated relationship than before between Catherine and Peter um, and figuring out what to do next now that she's realised that she doesn't actually want him dead, but she does still want to be in power.
2: It's a really strange dynamic they've got of (laughs) of needing each other but hating each other and loving each other. It could easily be a show that goes round in circles with that, but it always feels like they come up with a, a fresh way of doing it. I've seen all of the season, but it took me to the end of the first episode to get back into the world of it. Is it one of those for you, or do you just sit it back on and you're back in the great world?
3: Yeah, I I really like the great, I think, because it's basically like an an ensemble comedy, Mm. isn't it? Like, we've got all these eccentric characters around the court. The the humour is sometimes very dark and sometimes very silly. It's exactly my sort of thing, really. But my main issue I have with it is that Because it's a comedy, I kind of wish the episodes were like a comedy length, like half an hour. I find an hour quite a lot to deal with, and particularly when you've got ten episodes in a season. I started to binge watch season two when that came out and realised after a few episodes that I don't think it's a binge-watch sort of show for me, because I just find it, you know, a very unique tone, and watching, like, ten hours of it in a row is quite a lot. Yeah, very excited about season three, but I think I'm going to ration it out a bit more so it's, like, a little treat every now and again, rather than this sort of relentless, like, dark tone, because the humour does become kind of less shocking the more you watch it, because I remember in the very beginning, when I watched episode one, I was like... This is amazing. I've never seen anything like this. It's hilarious. I was laughing out loud so much and then because we've now spent 20 hours with these characters, it's not really that shocking anymore. It's still funny. It's still well written, but it's sort of it doesn't feel as fresh as it did at the start. And that's not really the show's fault. It's just there's been so much of it.
2: No, I I watched it all, but I didn't binge it all for exactly that reason because it it is so funny and the rhythms of it are so unique but i i feel like you can't do you can maybe do two in a row but the you know it's something to be parceled out and it is it is episodic there are episodes that have one story at the start and resolved by the end and it has arcs and stuff and i know i use this word a lot and i know i've used it a lot in this episode (laughs) But this is the best season of The Greats so far because of what they do later on. is It's really well done, really powerful and puts everybody in a different place. And I think it really gets the best out of the entire ensemble. Phoebe Fox as Mariel and Gwilym Lee as Grigor and, and Adam Godley as this Archbishop who's sex-mad and Belinda Bromelow as the Aunt Elizabeth who goes nuttier and nuttier. It's just got so much going on and has more depth, I feel like, this season. More to say, there are there's an episode later in the season where she signs divorce into law, which she thinks will be great. But as always with her plans, she never knows how Russia's going to react. So the men divorce their old partner and get a new one relatively quickly. And the old partners just throw themselves off balconies because they've got no way of of supporting themselves and then by lunchtime the men are bored of their new partner and they start throwing (laughs) themselves and so everything has an interesting twist to it you never quite know which direction it's going to go i've spoken too much in the past about how much i think nicholas holt and Al fanning are are great in this and nicholas holt has two jobs in playing peter and the lookalike pugachev (laughs) this season more and more i can't wait for people to find out what i already know about this season because it is it's really really something special this year and again i don't know if it's got a fourth it's gone quiet it feels like the right place to end it really because of what happens but who knows we will we, i you know i'm not in control of that sort of thing yet but i would love uh, to see more of it as well because i think it is the most one of the most unique shows on television Tony McNamara, who writes the majority of it, is an absolute genius. And also there's there's Marielle who's married. She got married last season to a little boy called Maxim who's about 11. <laughs> and that kid does some tremendous work. He's one of my favourite characters. He does, does some amazing work trying to sort of fight for his wife throughout the season. It's so wonderfully funny and sweet and what i like about it you never know what's going to happen in an episode of the great it just shocks you at every turn
1: i found the last season sagged a bit in the middle and i think i agree with sophie you know that these 10 hour long episodes it could be a bit sort of more sprightly the 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 length you know what you're saying that things do change and there's some depth this season I would welcome that I think because I'm getting a little bit annoyed with the the dynamic there that you know that they love each other but he's a nightmare and I think they're fantastic I think you know I think part of the reason for that is that that dynamic works because the two actors have that sort of chemistry and you get the impression here that she has learned from her mistakes that she needs to be more calculating and you know brings on as her sort of new advisors this season in um, Elizabeth and Archie who have got those the minds that she doesn't have the you know she is very pure and young naive and they've obviously got that experience and they're survivors and she needs that to survive but I do like the tone of this I think it looks fantastic the costumes are as, as great as ever the sets you know, I am looking forward to it. You know, obviously, Link, you give it a glowing endorsement, which is always good. So I'll look forward to seeing where it goes. And I agree with you about Nicholas Holt playing the dual role. I think, did you not realise it was I didn't realise it was him last year, no. <laughs> All right, I'm dim. No, no, but that's a testament to him, in well, it a way. It is, it his, is. His yeah. performance is so good that you didn't realise it no, was him.
2: I just thought, cause, yeah, I just believe everything in Teleworld. Oh, they're saying it's a different person, it obviously is.
1: I mean, he is a, a, an excellent actor, and it's a shame that they haven't been rewarded for their work here, as we will go yeah. on in a minute. To...
2: That is the great. Does Matt know if all of it's on
1: Lionsgate Plus or if they do the weekly thing? I believe. So. I mean, I was going to ask you the same question, but I oh, think I it's don't all... know. <laughs> I think it's all there now. I think Stars Play used to drop drop it all at once, so I would assume. Well, this is that just all... Stars
2: Play rebranded.
1: So yeah, that's, that's what, what, they what did. I'm saying.
2: Yeah, yeah.
1: It's so hard to tell now with the streamers because they all yeah. do this. Yeah different things seemingly it's there now i think you and it is available through prime isn't it lionsgate yeah for an yeah. extra fee yeah yeah we'd love to hear from you drop us an email custard reviews at gmail.com finally the
2: emmys were announced this week and we're just gonna talk about who we think should be doing win?
1: predictions or yeah, well. Yes, well are we just... I mean,
2: God knows when it would probably be in March or something like that when they
1: actually do it. Yeah, that's true. It's likely to, and um, the, the strikes, and um, this is from Variety, are likely to push the telecast to either November or January.
2: Yeah. And it's worth noting that when if if we talk about The Bear here, we're talking about not mm. the one I, we just reviewed, but the first season of The Bear.
1: Recognising shows that ran from the 1st of June last year to the 31st of May this year. So that's yeah. your, or, your or That's another way of saying it, yeah. Outstanding drama. We've got eight nominees. We've got Andor, Better Call Saul, The Crown, House of the Dragon, The Last of Us, Succession, The White Lotus and Yellow Jackets. Should also mention that I believe is is it the record succession has got? twenty seven nominees nominations Probably. is that the record I don't know I don't no. know that do we think that's a strong lineup Oh um, yeah yeah <laughs> Oh yeah Oh yeah What do we think about the White Lotus sort of migrating into here because it was a it was a mini series Well the year. White Lotus has
2: basically screwed every category up <laughs> by being a returning show hasn't it Because it's yeah. it's it, you know it would be in the mini series category where it would obviously win because it is such a good show and has such powerful performances. But now it's a returning show, and so it's in there, it's got every character. I mean, if it, it is a returning show, so it should be there. But it's mm, also yeah. that weird thing of Sort of being a comedy as well. Would you? Whereas I wouldn't class Succession at this point as a comedy because it made me cry and feel. Well, we'll sick ta- we'll
1: have that conversation when we get to the comedy, shall we? Because there's a few com a few nominations in yeah. the comedy category, which you good questions. If
2: we just say Succession will win it, what would be your second choice, Sophie? Because Succession's going to win it, surely.
3: Yeah, Succession. The final season of Better Call Saul. I think oh, would be my second choice. It's it's hard because. I think Succession, you know, because it aired so recently, Mm, mm. obviously it's amazing anyway, but I think because it's aired so recently, there's a bit more buzz around that. Like Better Call Saul was quite a while ago now. It feels um,
2: such a long time ago, doesn't it?
3: Yeah, similarly, like Bob Odenkirk being nominated. It would be amazing to see him get something because I don't think he's ever. He and Ray have never
2: won anything, which is mad. Yeah,
3: it's just a shame it's clashed with the final season of Succession as well.
2: Yeah, I don't understand the crown. I don't understand. Is it just...
3: There? If the crown wins, yeah. I will riot.
2: <laughs> yes, I think
1: so will the... I, I think it I... just seems like an arbitrary nomination, really, doesn't it? It's like we're nominated each year. and
3: I'm pleased to see Andor in there because that was actually brilliant. Like, by far, the best recent Star Wars mm. series. It was a lot more adults and a lot more... Yeah. It's a shame that Diego Luna hasn't been nominated for being the lead in that, but um, it is quite a hard category for best actor.
1: The actor category is, as Sophie mentioned, lead actor in the drama. There mm. is actually a um, a first tier that three actors have been nominated from the same show. So mm. Brian Cox, Kieran Culkin, and Jeremy Strong have all been nominated uh, for Succession, along with Pedro Pascal for The Last of Us, uh, Bob Odenkirk for Better Call Saul, as you mentioned. And sort of a bit of an outlier, Jeff Bridges in the old. That man. seems a real
2: out, outlier. Doesn't is it,
1: it just because it's Jeff Bridges?
2: And he is an old man at this point.
1: Yeah, I would. I, would <laughs> I imagine mean, we liked that. that, didn't we? And again, it's a it's a genre show, isn't it? So it's good yeah. to have that sort of diversity, I suppose, because that was a sort of an action thriller, wasn't it? Also, I'd
2: feel a bit bad if Brian
1: Cox won. This, mm. I think, one. he should be in supporting. Do you not? Do you agree mm. or?
2: Yeah, maybe. yeah, do it's think? a
3: strange one. When people get submitted for these things, they get submitted for like one particular episode that the mm. jury watch, don't they? So I mm. guess it's maybe the one where he goes and sees them in the karaoke bar at the end. Like maybe that's the episode where he is the leading man. But yeah, it yeah. is a strange. But even if he was nominated for supporting, there's still a heat. There's yeah, possibly everyone even more else competition is in that one.
2: <laughs> for me, it would have to be. Kieran Culkin, because I know Jeremy Strong is remarkable, but I think Kieran Culkin's performance—what started out as quite an immature brat of a person—he's just molded into this complex, emotional wreck who who went through every possible gambit of emotion that a character could just in the final few episodes of Succession—and he's a uh, young actor-ish, and I like—I'm gonna. You know, really look forward to what he does next. So, I would love it to be him.
3: Yeah, Kieran Culkin. I think if it's one of the three from Succession, um, or again Bob Odenkirk. Such a shame he's yeah, against all the Succession guys because he really does deserve something I for know. better Saul and it's um, it's now is like the last chance. Really, you never know though. Pedro Pascal could be a surprise yeah, yeah. in mean, like the last. And I wouldn't of be
2: disappointed with that. A lot.
3: I wouldn't yeah,
1: be disappointed. So Sarah Snoop for Succession, Bella Ramsey for The Last of Us, Melanie Linsky for the aforementioned Yellow Jackets, and then joining them is Sharon Horgan in Bad Sisters, Elizabeth Moss in The Handmaid's Tale, and Kerry Russell in The Diplomat. Link, what did you want to say?
2: Well Ray Seahorn isn't in this category and
1: that's a conversation last year.
2: I know, and it absolutely still makes my blood boil. You know, yeah, I think
3: and, and she and she's against like everyone from the White Lotus and the yeah. supporting category, which I think she's probably not gonna win unfortunately.
1: How can they call her us it's her and Bob's show, how can they call I don't know if the Emmys work similar to the Oscars often like the the films or the production companies will decide
3: yeah, which I category the
1: actors um... are in. Often at the Oscars if there are two leads one of those leads will sometimes get in the supporting mm. category because they've got a better chance of winning, obviously. Well, That's not the case here. Yeah, they're
2: thrown well,
0: under
1: the bus a little bit.
3: There. Maybe they forgot. With Lucky Land
1: you can get lucky just about anywhere.
0: This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. They forgot
3: about the white Lotus for yeah, some but do reason. Do you think
1: she could have won in this category?
3: I think she. I think she might have had yeah. a better chance. But I, d- I don't. I don't know. I think maybe Sarah Snook could yeah. get it. Yeah. Because she's the only Succession person in the category. Because um, you
1: think it's a Succession sweep. Yeah, Maybe. Well, I...
3: I mean, or oh, Bella Ramsey. Yeah, like, I was
1: thinking Bella Ramsey. Like that I could think...
3: potentially be the only Last of Us mm. win. Like mm. Bella Ramsey, I think, was a real like standout in that.
2: I'm still coming to terms with whether I feel like Bad Sisters is a, is a drama or a comedy. Mm. I'm not sure. I mean, yay for Sharon Horgan to be in that company and she deserves it. It was a great performance. But sometimes I think black comedy... It's still comedy.
3: Yeah, and I think considering it won the BAFTA for best drama, didn't it? Mm. And I think it should probably mm. it just probably deserves to be in the best drama category, maybe like instead of the Crown. I think anything, it's a lot better. Anything instead
2: of the Crown, I'd be happy with.
1: And um, I think I would probably say Bella Ramsey, or it's between that, Bella Ramsey and Sarah Snook, isn't it? um should we just shoot through the supportings in drama as well? Very quickly. We're, we're against the uh, head. Oh, something. I mean, it's the White Lotus versus Succession, really, yeah. isn't it? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> mm-hmm. From Succession, Nicholas Braun, Matthew McFadden, Alan Rook, and Alexander Skarsgård. And from the White Lotus, F. Murray Abraham, Michael Imperioli, Matthew, uh, no, not Matthew McFadden again, Theo James, and Will Sharp. Um,
2: Will Sharp. Yay for him. That's great.
3: It, Oh, I don't know. This is, I think, just as hard as the pick lead actor one. favourite child again. Maybe Matthew McFadden, but, I don't know, Alexander Skarsgård could swoop in and take it because it's such a memorable character and he's just so horrible. Um, any of them, really, I think. I would be happy with Will Sharp as well.
2: Wow, how do you pick them? But I would love it if Will Sharp won. I go back, I'm thinking, why is Matthew McFadden there? And then I go to that rooftop mm. argument that they had and...
1: so many little scenes throughout season four where it was it was him and you know sarah snook which again would lead me to think maybe she will win
0: because
1: i i think their scenes were some of the strongest elements of of season four and obviously where those characters ended up as well so yeah i think Mm. out of everyone here i don't think i'm as you know massively into the white lotus as you two of those, I would probably stump for Matthew McFadyen as well. As uh, supporting actress in the drama, again, we've got a lot of White Lotus representation here: uh, Jennifer Coolidge, Megan Fay, Sabrina. In- I love, I love that the, the
2: Italian actresses yeah. are in here. Aubrey great.
1: Plaza, Aubrey Plaza, and uh, Simona Tabasco. Yeah. Uh, we've also got J. Smith Cameron being the lone succession. Uh, nominee. Which I think um, this... is
2: a little unfair this year because I feel like she wasn't on screen enough.
1: No, no, but somewhere Dawn is yelping. <laughs> with uh, yelping <laughs> Somewhere Dawn
2: has collapsed when that yeah. announcement came out,
1: yeah. And you're going to have to pronounce the Better Call Saul actress because I know I always do a really bad For some job at
2: reason, it. it's Ray. I couldn't Ray tell Sewell. you why,
1: but it is Ray. And also, you know, the crown represent only acting nomination for the crown this year is. Um, Elizabeth Debicki uh, playing Princess Diana, mainly because she looks a bit like her. Yes. Um, <laughs> have we got a favourite here? Is it going to be Jennifer Coolidge? I it's think the, It's know, the she... last... Spoiler, it's the last time
2: she could <laughs> win it. So, yeah, I suppose so.
1: Unless they but... do something of her popping up as, like, the uh, the character's cousin in season three. Or sister, three, I yeah. That... I wouldn't put that past Mike White at this <laughs> stage. <laughs> <laughs> OK. Her win so far... Have generated some really entertaining speeches yes. as well, so I think that might be some of the thinking behind it. Yeah. I think she's my winner from again, from what I've seen from these actresses. But I did enjoy the, as you say, the Italian actresses in, in the White Lotus as well. We go into Outstanding Comedy Series, please. Yeah, because please, um, so <laughs> please, you could argue that like Barry and the bear are two. But could have gone in either category, really. They are funny, you know. I've laughed more at the White Lotus and at Succession than I did the Bear, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Abbott Elementary, obviously, is a classic comedy, and that's there. Um, Only Mergers in the Building and the final season, The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. Ted Lasso, also final season. Uh, Wednesday is a bit of an odd one. Uh, but the oddest one, jury duty, is there as well. Luke, You obviously got something to say here as well.
2: Dad, that's the funniest one, really. Duty and the cleverest one, and the sweetest one. Did you? I presume you saw that, Sophie. No, because
3: <gasps> I, I find things involving, like, real people being oh, sort of pranked. I, I see. And I, I know I've been told that it isn't really like that. It isn't that. 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 They're not, they're... But that sort of premise makes I me just think, like, I'm going to be cringing myself inside no, out. like hey, I understand. Yeah, it it's not on.
2: candid camera, though. It What happens feels very organic, and he's basically the nicest person on the planet, so they don't really prank him. He just joins in in whatever they've got to do.
1: So they can't nominate him for best actor. I know, because he's not.
2: He'd have to join SAG and then be on strike. Um, (laughs) Which would be weird. Um, But yeah, I think it's the funniest one. And that bit elementary is, as you say, the traditional network comedy there as well. I think on this podcast, we have the only other person in Britain that may have finished season four of Barry and
3: Sophie, do we? Um, Got something to confess. Oh, for God's sake! (laughs) So, right, I haven't watched any of Series 4 because Succession was on at the same time. I had limited time, so I was watching Succession every week and put Barry on the back burner. And now it's not on Sky anymore. (gasps) They've taken the latest season off.
2: (laughs) No way! Sophie, I think you may have killed Luke. (laughs) I came in this podcast with so much positivity.
3: i think they do this sometimes like but the previous ones are all still on there and the latest one has disappeared so i would assume it'll come back it'll come back or i'll just have to find another way to watch it because um succession was taking up all of my tv watching time for a few weeks and then fell behind really
2: how many times (laughs) have you seen the stage play
3: just quickly that's that's different (laughs) (laughs) Ask
1: <laughs> you uh, how many times you got your hair cut now? Yes, no. Yeah. How many haircuts it's, have you had since Barry was on? Move this along because i Yeah, just we're on a clock. But, yeah, um, Barry, you'll win it then, Luke.
2: Only because it's the last time it could win. Otherwise, I love the bear so much, and they won an award last time, and they said something like, "I think we've proven that comedy doesn't have to be funny to be in the comedy category." Well, and here it is can again. You look all the
1: way back to like Nurse Jackie was in the comedy category, yeah. and I remember when Edie Falco won. Best Actress in a Comedy and said, "This is ridiculous. I'm not funny." Yeah,
3: my but, winner yeah. is the other yeah. two, which is not nominated. But have tragically. you seen it? Has been nominated for
1: a writing award.
3: Yeah, I know, and it should yeah. be nominated in this category because it's hilarious. Because yeah, it's hilariously it's than, funny. I like Ted Lasso, but the other two is literally a hundred times better than Ted Lasso. And, and what like Wednesday
1: doing in there?
3: Yeah, I haven't seen that to be honest, so I can't comment on it. But I bet the other two is better than it. Yeah,
1: yeah.
2: No. How have you felt since accusations about the team behind that have come out? It's so
3: I... ironic, because it, it is, is just almost like, almost like they are the characters. Like, I don't understand how you can write something that's so self-aware and so satirical about the entertainment yeah. industry and then be those people <laughs> in real life. It baffles me. I don't understand. But I just I absolutely <sighs> love the latest season and was I very sad to learn that it was the last one. But obviously... Yeah. If there's stuff like that going on behind the scenes, yeah. I don't want people to be subjected to that. Uh, yeah. So it makes sense. Um, but yeah, the fact that it's acknowledged for writing and not in the main category and never has been. You'd no. think it would be the sort of thing that like Emmy's people would like as well because it's about the entertainment industry. Maybe um, it's
2: just not watched by enough people. Yeah, but it's HBO now as well. So you think that it had that
1: sheen to it. Better Things rarely got. You know, mm. recognise as, as we've said what we're doing. The shadows. It seems like you know the Emmys are ones that have their favourites and will watch yeah. those shows. And seeing again the ones that are getting in this year, the, you know, it's Jury Duty and it's it's Wednesday and it's mm. The Bear.
3: Considering this is the comedy category and this should be my thing, I actually haven't seen that many of them. I haven't seen Jury Duty. Yeah. I've never seen The Marvelous Mrs Maisel. Um, I haven't seen Wednesday. I have, I did watch season one of Abbott Elementary, but I haven't seen the latest one You're yet. You're so off-brand. Uh, I know, I've fallen behind yeah, I know. things.
1: Um I would say The Bear, um, but maybe that would change when I get around to season four of Barry. Acting in a comedy series. I think the interesting thing here in the actors is that Martin Short is the only person who's been nominated for Abbott's Three and Only Murders. That does seem um, weird. Bill Hader for Barry, Jason Sudeikis for Ted Lasso, Jeremy Ellen White for The Bear, and then Jason Seagal for Shrinking, which seems to have, have got in a, a few... Also,
2: it's Jason like... Seagal. He's not Steven Seagal's son. It's Jason Seagal.
1: Some of the <laughs> mispronunciations you do... Now, I like know, but are. it's endearing when it's me. Um, <laughs> I, I, I mean, I would say, again, Jeremy Allen White, just to be predictable, but again, Bill Hader, I, he's won before Jason Sudeikis, he's won
3: before... Yeah, I think the same. I think the Bear could do very well because that is they do like a sort of a brand new show at the Emmys, don't they? Like when mm. it's a really good first season, I think that could win Best Comedy, and he could win in this category as well.
1: Shrinking's an odd one because no one really sort of talked about that, and also they've not nominated Harrison Ford, which I thought they would just because mm. it's a famous man. <laughs> he is a
2: famous man, name and mentioned mm. isn't he? He's one of the most famous Luke. of
1: men. Uh, yeah, I would have
2: gone for uh, Jeremy Allen White, or if it had mm. been nominated, just the vein at the top of his head—that is often one of my favourite things about the bear when he gets anxious. That should
1: have been nominated too. But again, as we said, you know, there's no performances from what we do in the shadows nominated, which I no. think is, Matt is a Berry, mistake. Matt Berry should be here. So he should, and, the, um... and the actor who plays Guillermo as well, I think, yeah, is all four of the little, even the, the actor who plays Colin Robinson as well, especially yeah. as it yes. is. His,
0: Evolution, his, his baby season. season,
1: yeah. I mean, the the big thing in lead actress here is that they've also considered Poker Face as a comedy and have put Natasha Lyonne in there. Would have you, you agree seen with that, any Lee? of that, uh, Sophie?
3: No, I've got. Come on, on. The list. all right, um... come on. Yeah, all right.
1: God,
3: Sophie's getting some
1: of the flack that I, I
2: know. No, it's all right. I, I I always like having <laughs> Sophie on.
3: Uh, it's no. a weird one because I've, I have feel like I've watched more in the drama category. Yeah, and that's you've, you've very lost unlike brand. me, so I don't know what's happened. Maybe I've watched more British comedies than American ones.
1: Poker Face is, is like a crime procedural, isn't it? And it's only mm-hmm. funny because Natasha Leone is intrinsically funny.
2: Yeah, as you said on your review, just effortlessly cool. Go it's on. going to go to Quinter Brunson, I'd imagine, or maybe General Ortega if they want to give it to the next
1: generation. But I'm pleased for um, for Natasha Leone. Quickly, the supporting actors in, in here, we've got uh, Phil Dunster and Brett Goldstein for Ted Lasso. Uh, we've got Anthony Carrigan and Henry Winkler for Barry. Ebon Moss, Bacharach, who plays Richie, is that right? Yep.
0: Yeah,
1: and uh, Tyler James Williams for Abbott Elementary, Oh, and James Marsden playing himself in jury juryry <laughs> Weird, weird. But yeah, from the episode that I watched, I think he was absolutely he was the standout, really, James Marsden because he yeah. seemed to be absolutely loving it. Um, I mean, I, I will always love uh, Brett Goldstein and Ted Lasso, so that might be my pick. um Luke, Henry Winkler every time.
3: Yeah, I think Henry Winkler. If it was for season two of The Bear, I might say the guy that plays Richie, but if it's for mm-hmm. season one, I'm not sure.
1: You know those mini series things. Yeah. Have you got any any views on there? Like Beef's in there a beef. lot. Dharma beef. Da- the Dharma drama, as we call it, is in there a lot. Um Daisy Jones and the Six is in there. Da- Flashman is in trouble. The Obi Wan Kenobi series has been nominated yeah. for the, I just uh, think the of... Beef was such a
2: unique Show and all the others are based off something so monsters based off the Jeremy Dharma story, Fleshman in trouble. Who? Who? Jeremy Dharma, did I say? Jeffrey Dharma. Jeffrey Dharma. Jeremy <See>? Dharma <Dahmer>. <laughs> <See>? Jeremy, <laughs> Jeremy is his uglier brother that didn't even get a
1: look in. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we'll end it there. That's that's a great place um, to be. But yeah, Beef. I mean, Blackbird's in there. They've got the Welcome to Chippendales has got some nominations. One I'd like to highlight, actually, is uh, Dominique Fishback in Swarm, who again, I haven't finished, but I will go back to. It is on my list. I thought she was brilliant last year in The Last Days of Ptolemy Gray. Uh, She's an actress who I will watch in anything that she's in. She was nominated for an Oscar for Judas and the Black Messiah, and I think Swarm is, again, something that is very unique, I suppose a bit like Beef. She just got it, I suppose, is what I would say about mm. that performance. Uh,
2: the Emmys will happen when they happen, but you can look at most the majority of the nominees on the website, and if any of those shows we've spoken about you've never seen, we've either covered them on the podcast in the last uh, six months or so, or we've reviewed them on the website, thecustardv.com, so you can go on to... Our archive through apple podcasts and listen back to as many podcasts as you like sophie's on some i'm on some matt's on all of them so bear yeah. that in mind when you start <laughs> 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 you know parental, parental warning sophie remind us where can people find you if they want to just have more sophie davis in their life
3: uh people can find me on twitter at it's sophie davis uh, or on threads i guess <laughs> i the same way i
2: haven't yeah, tweeted, i like that i, I guess it. i haven't posted anything on there what, what is it, it yeah like, i haven't is... threaded yet that sounds a bit odd doesn't it woven i don't know i've yet to thread i don't Got know i'm also on threads but don't understand it uh the podcast is at Custard tv pod on twitter i'm at luke custard tv matt's at matt's tv bites we have an email if you would like to get in touch with us and uh, be either the me of this scenario or the Sophie of this scenario and join Matt on the podcast. If you've listened to this and thought I could give my thoughts just as eloquently as Luke, then you're probably spot on and exactly what this podcast needs. Get in touch via any of our Twitters, via our Instagram, It's The Custard TV or by the email address, which is Reviews at gmail.com. Happy haircut, Sophie. Thank you for
1: doing this. And, and we were, and possibly there won't be an episode next week. We may be back in two weeks. If there is an episode, it will be a bonus for who? Um, <laughs> for the listeners.
2: Okay, good. Uh, are you going for a new style or just a trim? Or are you? I are mean, what are you having done, just so people can somewhat picture. Oh, just on we
3: established that Sophie is
1: having a haircut. <laughs> She's having a
2: haircut. <laughs> yeah. uh, just a
3: trim and. Roots and all that because okay. uh, I'm not actually blonde. Uh, it, oh. is, uh, it is it is. The
2: revelations yeah. have come out this week.
3: My God. Bombshell. I don't
2: feel I know you at all. <laughs> My goodness. Yeah, it is time to end. Take care. Goodbye.
1: Rate and review us wherever you find us. Search The Custard TV on YouTube, iTunes, and Facebook.